podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Good evening, folks. What an end to day four. Mitchell Stark has knocked Joe Root's middle stump over and then had him caught behind soon after. Yes, it's Cricket Daily time. I'm Menas. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Good, Menas. Um, nice to be here. Didn't think I was going to be. It's been a unusual day for for me technology wise all over the shop um so yeah it was um i listened to that joe root wicket as i was driving um on a long drive and it was a um a good reward for having listened to the to the to the entirety it's uh, always exciting when it happens right at the end like that yeah absolutely did you um uh, hear joe root getting hit in the nuts or in the in the box two overs before in one of the more comical sequences of play I've I've ever seen. I mean, Joe Root ended the last Ashes tour on a drip um, while in a Sydney hospital. And, and this Ashes, he starts the morning off being hit in the nuts while not wearing a box and having to go to hospital. And then he ends the day, Mitchell start cannoning into his box. Uh, he barely could get up. Took him about 10 minutes to be able to uh resume play and then then to add insult to injury gets snicked off in the last over just just incredible yeah um i actually stupidly took took the reports literally they were saying he got he'd been hit in the abdomen early on and i thought surely that's not a euphemism surely they're, they're actually meaning that he's been hit in the abdomen and they're speculating they're even speculating oh maybe he's got a rib broken or maybe he's had a, got a tear in the abdomen and then later, it's only later when I really he got hit in the testicles. It's like, gosh, it's it's not that hard to say. I remember um, a few years ago when Ian Smith was out here and they were trying to outdo each other with, you know, oh, he's got to hit a midships there. He's got hit where you don't want to be hitting. He's got hit and uh, well, uh, watch. And Ian Smith went testicles and just yes, <laughs> just say it on on Channel Nine. But this is the way he said it. it was like, okay, you know, it's you know, it happens. It's not um. Mm. It must have been a pretty heavy blow though for him to go to hospital this morning and then. You know, yeah, I didn't that, find it funny. Like when, when he got hit again and um, everyone's laughing, I was thinking, I'm not sure that I find this funny that if he's gone to hospital this morning and he's now... I, I don't think, and- yeah, think anyone did find it funny. I Like everyone, even the Australian cricket team, like Mitchell Stark looked a little bit horror, you know, horrified thought, when yeah. he hit him. Um, no, I just felt, yeah, I just felt worried. I thought, you know, I, I hope he's okay. And I still, you know, I, I still do. But um, yes, I, I look, I've got a, a bit of a rant. Um, I don't want to go All too right. hard, but... So, well, actually, before I, before I get to that, the reason that I've had a, an unusual day is that we've been uh, in the northern beaches. We had a, a basically a hurricane pass through, and sadly, it's killed someone, and a couple of people are in uh, critical condition. We could hear sirens or, or like ambulance sirens for an hours afterwards, and it was a, it was a very eerie sort of feeling. But um, I'd been playing a little bit of tennis with my daughter in the backyard uh, with the cricket on pause, intending to go back. You know, I was you know being a f- wonderful dad, but my mind was thinking, I'm going to go back in and watch this pretty soon. <laughs> And it started raining and it was that lovely summer rain of like, oh, you know, we, we can stay out and this, it's, it's, it's quite pleasant. And then it got a bit heavy. We went in one minute later, it was just the, the most violent storm I've 
ever seen. If it was a Hollywood um, set department, you would sack them because it just looked unrealistic. The rain was getting tossed up and down. The wind was, you know, like nothing else. And that's it. We lost power for the rest of the day. And so I was trying to um, do all manner of hot spots and everything else and basically couldn't. And eventually I've been sitting out in the car listening to the radio like a, <laughs> like a lunatic all afternoon. Um but then we had, I had to drive this long drive. It was always scheduled. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. I've got an hour to go. I'll, I'll continue listening to SEN. I don't know what happened to 1170 SEN. They suddenly switched to not the cricket. And I don't know whether that was an error or um, whether they were meaning you to listen on the app. Oh, rant time. That, look, I was like, where is it? You know, this is my favorite coverage. So I then switched to ABC. And it turns out they've got their sort of um, hurriedly put together reserve side there because of, presumably because of the COVID scare. They, they didn't yep. have the live commentary team. At the I've, I've got all that to go through later. And look, I mean, they were competent and serviceable, these people that did it out of Perth. And some of them were okay. And we were pretty good. But look, if I'm being honest, as the national broadcaster, I think even though they had to scramble to produce um, an emergency broadcast, they des- they should have been able to put together a better job. Like when when that root wicket fell on the last ball of the day, Mitchell uh, Mitchell Johnson's comment was uh, something like, "Oh, England wouldn't have been happy about that." <laughs> I was like, oh, and then he he said, "You know, where did you where would you say that?" And he was confused about a fielding position. Then he was confused about another. And then he went back and said, "Yeah, um, Australia would be happy about that, but England wouldn't be." And I was like, you know you really want someone to be able to capture the moment and elevate it because it's an amazing sort of moment. Wonderful bowler. I just don't think he's the, uh, you know, um, no, no, you I, I don't, I don't rate Mitch either. To, to and so, hire. and then I was also flicking to triple M and um, I now get what you've been saying that triple M was not for you up till now. Every time I've heard it, I thought it's quite good, but I kind of got the full barrel of the, the blokiness and the, you know, they, they were out doing each other to, to compliment Joe root because they were trying to invoke the commentator's curse to get him out. And, Sometimes they were forgetting, like whether they were supposed to be praising him or criticizing him, because we're, you know, the, the, they weren't sure how the commentators' curse worked. And then when he got hit in the balls, like that, you know, they love that. Uh, <laughs> that was well, but one thing, one thing I've noticed on all the networks is that some of the commentators, like they've obviously got the ball by ball caller, they actually don't know how to describe the delivery. Mm. So you sort of left wondering uh, what's going on. Yes, um, it's it's not that hard a skill to do, but some people um, don't have it. And then the thing that's annoying is, and I, I was listening to ABC at the end, when that root wicket fell, they will now be claiming credit for it, the bastards. Like they'll be going on, <laughs> yeah, we did it, we did it, we did it. So anyway. Um, so, I yeah, actually it was, it turned a- on Triple M after speaking to you just to get a flavour for it. And it was okay. It was Mark Warren, Greg, Greg Blewett, and I think, unfortunately, James Brayshaw was there. And the chat was fine, but... Um, as I said, I still feel they just they just sort of react to balls without realising that we're not watching it, which is fine if you're syncing it up to the TV, but not so good if you're driving in your car. Yeah, I think some of them, they're kind of feeling like they don't want to describe the ball too much because it's a bit too boring, and that's mm. kind of it's part of the deal. But uh, I think the other times I've heard them, they've been surprisingly good, and I will listen to them again. This time, maybe. I think it was also that they had this feeling it's the last half hour of the day. We've got to really pump it. Actually, that was one thing that was interesting. Um, earlier on when I was listening to them, they they crossed, they, they gave this score update from the, the Big Bash at the time when um, Brisbane Heat were at like five for 20 in response <laughs> yes. to 100. Mahmood, four for nine. Yes, you should get him straight into the England side, uh, as I said last night, I think. But um, uh, Howie uh, said to Mark Waugh, you know, how do you handle this when you're sort of um, 
on TV and you're trying to pump it up. And they, but all three of them, Howie, Mark Gore and Callum Ferguson sort of talked about how yeah, the director would be in your ear and sort of, and Mark was, oh, you'd be saying, yeah, there could be have a big partnership. You never know. And so <laughs> it was gratifying because I've always assumed that's what the director does on a coverage. Like never, ever say this game is dying. And it was kind of nice yeah. to, to, to hear that that was the case. Um, what, do you have a stat of the day for us, Paul, amidst the chaos? Yeah, my stat of the day um, is uh, 1936-37, the last time that the only time that a side has been down 2-0 and has come back to win a five-test match series, let alone the Ashes, the only side in any five-test match series ever. I'm not saying that England have got no chance of drawing it tomorrow, but they have got no chance of drawing it tomorrow. England is going to lose. They will go 2-0 down. And that last time, um, 1936-37, it's one of my favourite things, that Australia was down 2-0. And then in the third test, Bradman made 270. In the fourth, 212 and the fifth, 169, and Australia won 3-2. So Joe Root is going to have to do something like that. Yep. So um, for those who didn't see the score, Australia declared nine for 230 today. Travis Head and Marnus Labuschagne made 51 each, and Cameron Green was 33 not out. And then England at stumps are four for 82. Jai Richardson has two wickets. Nisa has one wicket. And Stark has one wicket and one destruction of poor Joe Root's um, nether regions, testicles, as we're calling them on this show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So it was actually a a really great day. So uh, it started off in the first hour with England um, swarming Australia. And there was the most sensational passage of play where Marcus Harris was caught excellently by Joss Butler and then off Stuart Broad. And then next ball, um, Smith comes in, edges first ball, simple catch, Butler puts it down. Ball after that, a huge appeal, uh, Broad uh, cannoning into Smith's pads. Uh, Umpire gives it not out, but it was reviewed and it was umpire's call hitting the stumps. Uh, You know, it was one of those, it was exactly the same as his first innings dismissal. but Australia lost a few quick wickets and, you know, um, uh, you know, Travis had led a counter-attack, a quick 51, and and then from there Australia kind of never looked back. It was a great start to the day. That, um, that was a dramatic moment. And um, poor old Marcus Harris, as they were sort of saying, that like you look and think, how come Steve Smith gets two chances and I get nothing? <laughs> Butler drops everything except he takes two classic catches off me. And, um, yes, I, I look, I, I think... I kind of um, I, I was listening to that on the radio, uh, and then I watched the I, I watched it on TV. So I got both um, both sides of it, and it shows how differently um, the the commentators can influence you. The consensus on the radio was that was plum, and it should have been given out live on the field, on the TV live. Uh, and this is my reaction as well. Before even Warren said this live, I thought, no, that's outside the line. And Warren said that live as well, so they didn't really criticize the umpire. But I. I really object to when umpires get criticised for that. When you know, I've heard the other way as well. Michael Holding will sometimes criticise an umpire for giving it out when it turns out to be umpire's call, saying, "Or oh, the umpire should have known that was too close." Like they're, they're expecting the umpires have a vision of, that goes down to millimetres when they just can't. It's, it's always got to be a guess. Um, so, I you know, I think it's time that we take the umpire out of it. I think if it's LBW, it should be. We go to the technology, and there's no there's no mucking around. Um, let's just get it right. Uh, let's let's stop guessing. 
Well, what do you think about Warren saying at least take out umpire's call now? It's either out or it's not out. So there's not this silly situation where Smith's out in the first innings to basically exactly the same thing. And then in the second innings, because the umpire didn't give it out, it's not out. At least take that out of it. Yeah, I've always thought that. and But I think that what I, do, I don't agree with him saying, oh, well, it's it's ridiculous that you can be out um, or not out off the same ball because that's what's happened in cricket forever. Like, you know, you get two different umpires out there, they'll give the same, they'll give a different decision. It's, that's, it, that's assuming that there's a level of um, accuracy that there's not. I think that the people who brought in umpires call for LBW have done a brilliant thing because they have brought along the technophobes with them that – had it been when 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 DRS first came in, I would have just said if it's clipping, it's out. But there would have been all these ones where it was shown to be one millimeter of the ball clipping one millimeter of the bales, and all these people would have had meltdowns. The umpire's call has allowed DRS to sort of uh, move in and get these people along. It's now time to take it away. It's now time to say if it's a millimeter in line and it's a millimeter hitting the stumps you're going to be out and that's bad luck, but that's cricket. It's a game of millimeters. So yes, I agree with Warren, get rid of it altogether. But also I disagree with him because he said he still wants the on-field umpires to make decisions. I don't, I don't say what's the point of an LBW. It should just be, let's go up there. Let's get the technology and get it right and, and not muck around. And I, I, if I can be the one that tells umpires that that's the case, Rudy Kurtzen used to always say, Oh, what's the umpire going to be just, you know, basically a, a coat hanger out there. And I was like, yes, that's what it should be. You're not, we're not there to watch the umpires. We're there to watch the players. I'm all up for robot umpires. That's my dream. Mm. One day it will happen. Um, yes. Yeah, so also just a crazy first session, Australia lost three for 14 in the first hour. And you thought then maybe England could miraculously claw their way back into the game, but no, Australia yeah. scored none for 75 in the second uh, hour. And went into lunch uh, in a good position. Then I got the declaration pretty close yesterday. I said on our show they declared sort of halfway between um, the first break and the second, and they declared about then they gave themselves a nice little burst in England. Um, uh, yes, so Richard, you're right. You're I, I, I kind of um, sort of subtly put you down for that yesterday. So no, they won't do that. So yeah, I, I stand corrected. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then Richardson, Richardson got the first wicket, Hamid, a terrible shot, just poking at a good, good length delivery. I thought that was, that was, it was well played in England with where the ball's keeping low, but in Australia, you've got to get your hands higher. That was just a, a shocker. Oh, I think it was a pretty good ball. It did, it, 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 you know, mm. it did, it did rear up um, quite a bit. So I, I take your point. Um, Hamid, I don't know, he doesn't, doesn't look that good. Um, but I think that that was a pretty good ball. And then, um, yeah, what well, was a good seed? It was good to see Richardson get a wicket in the test match. Yes, and then, yeah. And then Milan and Root batted well, and they've looked good this whole series. But then, um, then it was Nisa who got the Milan out LBW. And so that was, you know, the two new, new players came in and got the first two wickets. Um, then Richardson got um, – who did he get? Burns. And then um, Root out to Stark just before Stump. So, yeah, couldn't have gone better for Australia. I was a bit disappointed. That, that I was kind of cheering Burns on because, um, again, ha- listening to the commentary as I don't normally – like the, the dismantling of his technique and just everyone mocking it and criticising it and and all – yeah, he's he's got an average of 40 or whatever else. He can obviously play. He's, his technique – Works for him, so I would I would have been quite happy for him to um, 
get a few more. Uh, and at least he got something in this innings. Yeah, that's true. Um, all righty, so my good day, bad day awards for day four. Good day I'm giving to Travis Head because I loved his counter-attacking 51 this morning. As I said, uh, you know, the game was just sort of meandering along. Australia got stuck. Marnus wasn't doing much. Smith had scratched around and then Head comes out and hits a runner ball 50 and it was just a momentum-changing inning. So a kudos to him, read the situation perfectly. And um, bad day, though. So I've got three bad days. I couldn't whittle it down. So <laughs> a bad day, of course, Joe Root's testicles, um, you know, hit twice. Just so bad day for them. Um, and I really – and oh, you should, I listened to the press conference. So because of the COVID cases and the media conference, they did the press conferences via Zoom. And the England bowling coach did it, which is a sign that the camp are not happy. And he was John just, Lewis? Yes, he was not happy. And he was asked about Joe Root's – um, Nether regions. He was not happy. Yeah. How does he dare to even front a press conference? He exactly. has one job, and that is to stop them. He's got two jobs. One, stop bowling front foot no balls. So he was asked and, about that. He was asked about two, that, and he got shirty. Oh, God. He goes, oh, it's, he was asked by a reporter, well, what's going on with these wickets off no balls? He goes, oh, there's only been two in the series. Two already. It's the second test, you muppet. And the only reason there weren't more is that you didn't, you didn't get them. Root fault, Stokes bowled fourteen no balls in the first thirty. He should have been he should have been sacked at that point. It's like <laughs> how could asked, you knock? He was asked, "How's Joe's root going?" He goes, "Oh, I haven't had a look, mate." And I'm like, oh, idiot! I mean, just such a he, he, he's why sometimes I hate the English. If, if, if he's the epitome of a miserable problem in this press conference. Um, so anyway, bad so, day, all, roots. All, you all he needs to do. I said the other. Yes. I'll add another thing. The bowling coach of England has two jobs. One, guys, let's go to the park and make sure that we practice and never bowl another no ball again. And you think that's hard? It's not. Um, you know, it's harder than um, I don't know counting to twenty, but it's not <laughs> harder than counting to two hundred. Um, just go and do it and never get it. Done. And the second one is, let's occasionally have the ball hitting the top of off stump and not sailing above it. If he'd done those two things, um, and if, <laughs> if England had bowled yeah. first in the first Test match, they might be about to win the Ashes. <laughs> no, no, he'd have a, he'd have fifty excuses for you if you'd been in that press conference. It was a pathetic oh. performance. Uh, so the next two bad day. It was such a so many contenders. Bad day. Ollie Robinson bowling off spin this morning. Uh, you know that just shows that England got this team wrong. They should they should have picked a spinner. Um, and when and, and when you're bowling, when Robinson has to resort to bowling off spin, I know Root was off the field, but that was a bad bad look. And um, finally, um, there's chaos in the media centre at Adelaide mm. because um, someone in the BBC has unfortunately tested positive to COVID, and now a second member of the media contingent has as well. So the ABC is actually brought back all its commentators. So they've all left the Adelaide Oval. Um, I think the BBC and ABC are now doing the, the games remotely um, and all the press conferences are reverting back to Zoom. There's no on-field interviews for the rest of the um, test match. But, yeah, it's um, it's quite chaotic there and it, it does beg the question what's going to happen for the rest of the series. There's talk that they're going to put commentators into pods um, so that they don't all go down at once, a bit like what they're doing with the, the cricketers not going out to dinner together. Uh, but I would suggest, Paul, you and I keep our phones next to us because this could be the dream scenario. We've often said it would take about 50 commentators to go down for us to get a crack. Could happen. 
when I first met my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and she was from Manly and a massive um, sort of uh, Manly Sea Eagles fan and was very proud of Brookvale Oval. For those of you who are not from Sydney, Brookvale Oval is a suburban rugby league ground and it's charming. But I used to, I'd go there and say, oh gosh, you know, this is badly in need of um, some, you know, about $100 million of refurbishment. And I'd say, if Australia ever got the World Cup, I used to play this game with her that she hated. How many stadiums would need to burn down for us to host the um, the World Cup final at Brookvale Oval? And it was, I'd go through them all. Like, you know, it's, oh, of course, you know. The- I don't know how she ended up marrying you. <laughs> and, we, you know, it was going to be like you know, 47 would get burnt down. I think it's about the same with us. You, you never know. Well, that. I you said 50. Know. I said 50. Yeah. And, and look, <laughs> it could happen. So, um, yeah. Sorry, no. When I said 47, I meant 47 stadiums ahead of Brookvale. I think it was one stadium accounts for about 100 commentators. We might need 47,000 okay. to go down. <laughs> we'll be ready, though. We'll uh, be ready. <laughs> we'll be ready. So, yeah, chaos in the media centre in Adelaide. Who knows what's going on? But, you know, the problem is they all share commentators in and out. So, um, yeah, who knows? Um, but I just hope actually they're all okay. And, uh, yeah, as I said, stay tuned. Paul, could be us. Anything else you want to add to um, today's play before we hit the viewer questions? No, let's go. Let's bloody do it. Paul's had a big day. Um, okay, Brewer74, any chance the series could be halted or changed due to rising COVID numbers? Paul Dennett, this is your wheelhouse. Yes. Um, I hope not. And, I, I mean, it sounds funny to even say yes, but I think that's the thing with exponential growth, that what looks like nothing um, can two weeks later look like something very significant. I mean... The big test is going to be in Sydney, where the case numbers seemingly are going to go up and up and up. The health minister for New South Wales said that we could be up to 25,000 cases per day by the end of January. So that could mean something fairly substantial by the time of the test match. All it would need, I suppose, would be um, one player to get it and then not know about it. And the entire team gets sort of um, exposed. I don't think it's – when I say yes, there's a chance. I, I still think that the overwhelming likelihood likelihood is, is that it's not. But I also think there's a chance they might have to consider not going, not coming to Sydney for the for the test match. I think maybe if the Sydney test match was in two weeks' time later than it is, then it would be even more serious. But So hopefully it will be right, but that spectre is, lo- is looming and lurching. Not lurching, looming. Yeah, I wonder if there could be an issue going from Sydney to Tasmania for the final test. I don't know the border situation. No, no, I'm, 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 being... no, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing. You're being serious. I'm laughing. What the Tasmanian government will have to do, given that they have done everything they can to get the test match there. If their health officials then say no, we we have to say no. They'll just fire them. <laughs> we don't yeah, care. yeah, look, exactly. Let the plague ship come in. <laughs> yes. All right, you want to take this one? Uh, from Stephen Matlock, do you think they'll rest Stark for Boxing Day and is Harris safe? What changes do you see coming, provided Cummins is clear and Hazelwood fit? Well, I actually think they'll play Stark in Boxing Day. He's been so impressive in this test match. He's the sort of bowler that when he's in form, you want to pick him. He's a rhythm bowler. So I think he's um, been excellent and uh, I think he'll play at Boxing Day. I think Marcus Harris will probably get the Boxing Day test one more chance on his home turf. They seem to want to back him, even though he looks like a nicker at test level. Uh, so if Cummins and Hazel would have fit, I would say Nisa and Richardson go out. And uh, they go back to the big three from New South Wales. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, there will be they'll monitor Stark closely because they'll be very aware of what happened at the Gabba 
last time around. But I suppose what happened at the Gabba was visible a little bit in Sydney as well. And there's none of that here yet. So the third test match from memory, Stark was not looking all that impressive. He's looking fantastic now. So um, maybe they'll look to play him in Melbourne and potentially rest him for Sydney and then play him again in Hobart. Uh, but otherwise, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think they should give Harris another chance, but I think they might. Mm. I, I don't mind the notion from the selectors that they want to give players a bit of security so they can flourish at the top level. Um, so I think it, it's not a bad precedent to give Harris three test matches because that means, you know, when they if they pick somebody else, they come in knowing it's not just one and done like they did to Callum Ferguson a few years ago. Michael, Menas, do you know where I can source some high-concentrate pickle juice? Uh, Michael, <laughs> hit me up in the DMs. I will... Um, pass on my supplier, Brewer74. Paul, have Head and Green cemented their spots for the next 12 months? Not for 12 months because um, it only takes a few test matches for things to change. But I, I think that what they've done is in each case, the selectors will be very reluctant to drop them and would be hoping that in 12 months' time, they are well ensconced within the side. And uh, I heard an interesting point um, I can't remember who made it, one of the radio commentators, that going into these um, extensive Asian tours that we've got coming up, that having green in there could be a boon, that if we want to go in with, um, you know, stack the side with extra batters or extra spinners, that green could, you know, take the new ball and, um, you know, play a part that way. So but yeah, they've they've done really. It was nice to see green get, what was it, 33 not out today? Um, yeah. It was, it, was, it was good to see him get a few runs as well. Look, I think Travis Head has security spot for the next 12 months. Green, I'm not so sure about. I'd love to say yes, but there is this obsession with the bison. And I think that, you know, what you talk about, Mitch Marsh I'm talking about, that in the subcontinent next year, Mitch Marsh could play that role. Uh, he took five-wicket haul, I think, in one of the last test matches he's played. And, uh, yeah, Cameron Green's got to score some runs, I think, pretty soon. Um, so I wouldn't say he's locked in for the next 12 months. Uh, again, from Stephen Matlock, uh, doesn't Carey look the part already? He does. He's been um, perfect so far. I don't think he's spilt a chance. He's looked um, sublime behind the the stumps, and he's just looked to test cricketer. His batting's been um, selfless. He made that half century. So it's a yes, he does look the part. He looks born to play test cricket. Tim who is the question? Yeah, I agree. He looks, He's looking great and um uh, I, I like his presence behind the stumps as well, that, that he seems to have a bit of um, a calming presence and doesn't seem to be overly keen to sledge mindlessly, which is something I really like. Yeah, our team is going to be so nice soon, Paul. You know, you've got you know this lovely Pat Cummins. You've got the redeemed Steve Smith. Sandpapergate now is just a, a distant memory after this test match. But lovely Carey behind the stumps. I mean, th th all... All of Langer's daughters could marry anyone in the Australian cricket team soon. We should be nice. The notion that you can't be nice and win is the stupidest notion of all time, and it's finally mm. being put to bed. Like, you know, Cummins is a nice guy, number one, number one ranked bowler and Australian captain. Alan Davidson was regarded as the nicest guy, you know, just about the best cricketer ever. Roger Federer is regarded as a nice guy. You know, it doesn't, help, doesn't stop him from winning. Uh, the notion that you have to be boorish and caustic and nasty and whatever else to really, you know, let you in a mongrel fly um, and therefore succeed is not only true, not true, but it's counterproductive. We said it before, you know, that the Australians got Ashwin riled up. They got um, 
AB de Villiers riled up. It didn't help any of them. You know, the only one that possibly ever helped sledging was maybe Daryl Cullinan um, found Warren even harder to get out, but even harder to face. But the reason that he struggled against Warren, that Warren's a good bowler. That's why he's struggling. I think the rest of the stuff wasn't such a big deal. So I'm, I'm all for it. I want the Australians to be nice, but still play 100% hard cricket. Yep, agree. All righty, well, that's it for our Cricket Daily, Adelaide Day 4. Thanks, everybody, that have watched live. Thanks, everybody, that have listened. Australia on the brink of going 2-0 up in the series. A disastrous day for England, a disastrous day for Joe Root. Uh, Felled by a blow before play, felled by a blow at the end of play, and then dismissed. So... uh, England will have to do something miraculous tomorrow to save the game. Can Ben Stokes bat for two and a half sessions and um, haul them to the brink? I don't know, but uh, everyone will sort of be expecting 2-0 Australia. So thanks, everybody, that have watched. Bye-bye. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds, kind of like right now, driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.